Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Cule Show, Quick Shift Edition here on 12 Ounce Sports. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, and the conference finals, folks, are well underway. They are going, they are humming, and we have all sorts of action to talk about. Three games to recap here on today's show of the Kewl Show here on 12 Ounce Sports, including one preview, that is game three tonight between Dallas and Vegas. How will that series play out? We'll get to that in the second half of today's program, which you are watching here on 12 Ounce Sports, live here on 12 Ounce Sports. Whether you're watching us here on YouTube, whether you're on Instagram, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on Zingo TV, channel 761, if you want to check out Zingo TV, you can get it. You got an Amazon Fire Stick, you got a Roku, heck, if you're even on your laptop, go on ZingoTV.com, make sure you use the promo code 12 Ounce, that's 12 O Z as your promo code to sign up for free in order to watch us on the big screen. Oh my gosh, that rhymes. That was a pretty good rhyme. I think that should be a tagline. I'm just saying, guys. I'm not a marketing genius. I know it's Alex's job over here, but let me tell you, I'll be making bank on marketing. No, I'm kidding. That's not going to be the case. But we got a lot to get to today. But of course, before we get going, make sure we thank our sponsors for today's show. MyBookie.ag. There. Right there. See, you have to like look. It's like a weatherman in front of a green screen. You're like, okay, this is right here is the city. That's 68 degrees over here. It's me right now. It's like my bookie.ag. I like my own three-dimensional green screen. Whoa. 3D. It's like real life. No. My bookie.ag. Make sure you check it out. We've got football starting tonight. Thankfully, we'll be done before football, so all of you will be able to catch your, you know, Chiefs and Texans. Chiefs and Texans at the game tonight? I don't know. NFL starting. I know the Lions play on Sunday. I'm only cheering for the Bucks because Tom Brady. Tom Brady's my guy. And Gronkowski's there, too, so, I mean, okay, whatever. But got to cheer for my boy Brady, which means, yes, folks, I am not a Patriots fan anymore. Everyone just calm down. I am officially against the entire New England area. Yeah, I'm making sure I got that right. I'm trying to think, is there anything good there? The Whalers throwback thing is always kind of cool, but they're not even there anymore. But make sure you go on mybookie.ag, sign up using the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS to sign up for free to bet on all sorts of sports. You still got the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, you got football, baseball is wrapping up their regular season. The Blue Jays are in a playoff spot. I'm knocking on that wood. Hopefully they do something there, but make sure you bet on your favorite teams, win, and get paid using mybookie.ag. And, of course, Second String Leather Company. I like doing that because they're up in that corner. So if I point wrong, you just know that it's in this general area of your screen. Second String Leather Company, they've recently released Collection 6, but check out all their other collections as well, including all their swag that you see Alex and I wear on our programs. Check out there, Second String Leather Company, hashtag crafted from the crease. They're starting to do some player stuff. They're taking like old player gloves and whatnot, and I'll allow it. I mean, you know, I like to think the goaltending equipment's cooler, but you know what? That's just me. I like to I like to think that the goaltending equipment should be unique, but you know what? Joe and I will have that conversation later on when we don't need to be socially distant so I can get right into his face and tell him, hey, Joe, this is your successful company, but I'm going to tell you how to run it. Yeah, that conversation is going to go incredibly well. But regardless, thank you once again for watching all of our shows here on The Keel Show. Of course, if you can't watch all of today's show, despite it only being an hour, that's okay. Be sure to jump on our YouTube channel tomorrow at The Keel Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to check out all of our the replays. And not just that, not just the video replay, but also the recorded replay as well. That will be on your favorite podcatcher going from SoundCloud to Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, Apple, everywhere. It's everywhere. And if you guys have been noticing, if you guys follow us on Instagram at The Keel Show, we've been posting them on IGTV, at least the hour-long episodes of The Quick Shift, and we've been posting clips of our Monday episode, so you can be just scrolling on through. I'm like, yeah, like, you know what? Let's check out this little chunk here of the Kula show. And of course, this past Monday, we had Peyton Turnage on, which was always great to talk to, even though it got ended a little prematurely. We got all of our kinks figured out with that, so hopefully the next time we bring him on or a future guest on, we're okay there. And of course, with talking about merch and all that stuff, I would be remiss if I did not mention the fact that we have merchandise. Look at this stuff. Look at all this cool stuff. We got women's shirts there. We have the Kewl Show shirt, which I am wearing right here right now. Hoodies. We have crew necks. 
If you want something that you don't see on the site, let me know or let Alex know, and we'll create it for you because we're cool that way. We are a on-demand type of podcast. We like to make sure that everyone gets what they want. I don't know why I'm getting so fired up about merch, but look at this shirt. It's so cool, isn't it? Look at it. I have to look at the screen to make sure it's visible. Look at it. Yeah, TKS. It's cool. I got my wife's shirt coming in here. She groans every time I... Every time I mention it to her, but I know she'll love it. Alex has got his crew neck shirt that he'll wear when it actually gets cold, even though I got the window open right now. And here in West Michigan, getting a little chilly, which is good because I like the fact that I can be comfortable when I sleep at night. I don't have to worry about blasting the AC. The electric bill was down this month. It was a great month here for the Kuehl family here in West Michigan. But let's get down to business. On today's program, we're going to be recapping the first two games of the Tampa Bay New York Islanders series to start off, and then we'll talk about game two between Dallas and Vegas from the other night before previewing game three, which is set to drop the puck at 8 o'clock Eastern time, 6 o'clock Mountain time here on this Thursday evening, September the 10th. And, of course, some other news and notes as well. So we'll start off with that because, as of today, college hockey talk here, if you will. College hockey is officially, the NCAA at least, Division One hockey, has officially announced that they will not play until a later date. As we talked with Peyton Turnage the other day, we were kind of discussing the fact that the WCHA was looking to start on time. It was made official today by the College Hockey Commissioners Union. I believe was that what it was that I read. Make sure I read it right. Long story short, they all agreed that they were not going to play until a later date. Now, that said, the NCHC, the National Collegiate Hockey Conference, has already come forward and said that they are looking to play by the end of November, around American Thanksgiving time, either before the November the 20th or after. Now, whether that means they actually do, because obviously a lot of things can change in that time. We're starting to see the numbers kind of go back up again. Coronavirus, we're seeing it in Paris, even though they're going to have fans at the French Open, which, do what you want to do, France. I mean, that's your thing, but... The fact of the matter is that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Obviously, it's a bummer that they're not going to start on time, but the writing was on the wall. I mean, like we talked about Alex and myself with Davenport, we're not, we are not going to be calling hockey games until January. That we've accepted. But now that the NCAA has officially come forward and said, we're going to wait a minute, now I don't know if the NCAA is going to come out and actually have a wide rule of when they're going to start, unlike football and basketball and all these other sports. It may be a thing where possibly they may honestly say, all right, all of us in one, we're going to determine when we start playing, which is good. Now, I don't, and it's funny because I was talking to a few people around the office I work at. Now I work here at a local radio station here in West Michigan. A lot of sport guys were talking about how the Ivy League kind of determined a lot of things, and or at least they started by not playing games. Of course, remember in the NCAA, the conference tournaments, we saw RPI and Harvard were the first couple of teams to pull out of their respective tournaments in the ECAC tournament last March. Now, now I'm not saying that the Ivy League's going to determine when, the, when college hockey comes back, but I wonder if the ECAC will be kind of left out of this because it seems like, at least the general consensus is, that NCHC, WCHA, Big Ten are all kind of in the same ballpark of when they want to come back. Now, what does that mean for the Northeastern colleges like Atlantic Hockey, Hockey East, and of course, as the aforementioned ECAC, I don't know. I can't speak for all of the programs because that's 62 programs. 62? 62. 61. 61? 61 programs. I lost track. I mean, I, there are Long Island's coming. Long Island will be there. They'll be an independent team, but I think 61. We'll go with 61. 60 or 61. Price is right rules, right? But a lot of the programs, I can't speak for all of them, but there may be a possibility for something to happen, hopefully soon. And more awards being handed out. The NHL doing a lot of virtual awards this year. The Selkie Trophy is being named later today. At least that's what I keep reading here. I haven't seen anything come up yet, so we'll just have to wait on that. However, they did announce the other day, yesterday exactly, the Jack Adams Award winner. And ladies and gentlemen, congratulations to the Boston Bruins, Bruce Cassidy. Yay, yay, yay. <sighs> Why? Why'd you have to give it to him? Oh, because his team was the team that got 100 points in the regular season. And, and of course, as you all know, these awards are generally meant for the regular season, not the playoffs, not the fact that they got beaten and battered by the bolts. By the lightning, he still wins the award. 
I, I don't like it because here, my two cents about it, because look at the other two guys. John Tortorella. That team had no reason being in a playoff spot. That team had no reason going through the qualifying round. And yes, it did not end well against Tampa. But the Blue Jackets were still one of the best teams, despite not having a single player that you could say is an all-star. Jonas Corposala was an all-star because he was playing well, and they needed someone to go to the all-star game. Obviously, he got hurt, so he wasn't able to. But you know what I mean, guys. I'm just saying there's no superstar talent. He was able to take that team and create a winner out of it. Speaking of which, I know they lost last night, last couple nights, but the New York Islanders. Matthew Barzell's a great player, sure. Brock Nelson's having a great year. Josh Bailey, sure. But Barry Trotz has been able to take this team without any high-end scoring, with question marks in goaltending for sure, but able to create a system that works. A team that is under that is overperforming, I will say. A team that under any other coach would flounder, would be probably looking at a lottery pick, but Barry Trotz is able to take them and turn them into winners. Bruce Cassidy has this team on a golden plate and was able to help them make them win. Why? Because Tuka Rask wasn't the best goaltender because he was able to work it with two goaltenders. Heck, then Rick Bonus should be a, be a possible candidate for the Jack Adams. He only coached half the season. What I'm getting at is I just don't think Cassidy should have been the guy. The other two candidates, I believe, were more well-deserving of being the Jack Adams Award winner this year. I know everyone's like, but Tyler, you can't. I, listen, guys, I get it. I know I hate on Boston a lot. But this team was already good without Bruce Cassidy as the head coach. Okay? Bruce Cassidy didn't turn this team into a a superstar team, a present trophy winning team. The talent was there. Claude Julien just lost them by the end of his time. Every coach does. Every coach outweighs their well, outstays their welcome. Bruce Cassidy came in and said, all right, guys, let's figure this out. And they did. But with that talent, I could do that. I could walk in there and say, all right, boys. I know I said a lot of bad things about you on the internet and on my podcast, but we're going to become a winner. And it may work. Then again, I don't think any of the Boston Bruins ever watched this show because, well, they'd probably have things to say. But I just, I don't know. I, I'm not a, not a big fan of the call there by the National Hockey League. And obviously, yes, I know it's the Pro Hockey Writers Association that determined that. So shame on you. No, I, we'll see. I mean, it's our... Uh, I know I shouldn't argue about those awards and whatnot. Ugh, they're just, I just mm, mm. like when John Cooper did it with 62 wins, that's a record setting season that I, I'm like the fact that he got nominated. I'm like, okay, yeah. What did Bruce Cassidy do that was special this year? Cause they were the only team that had hundred points. I'm sorry. That's nothing too impressive with me. And a couple of other things here. We have some off season discussion. Chris Letang possibly being on the market for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but the other guy that Pittsburgh is in, com- in active conversations, according to TSN's Pierre Lebrun, is even more intriguing. Matt Murray, the goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins, is possibly on the market. Pierre Lebrun confirming earlier today that even the Edmonton Oilers are in on the discussion for one Matt Murray, which really makes Kenny Holland look like a dummy. That, or uh, Not Kenny Holland, but about Peter Shirelli looking like a dummy. Peter Shirelli? Peter Shirelli, not Frank Shirelli. There's so many, there's a lot of Shirelli's that people don't know about. Shirelli, one of them, <laughs> going after Miko Koskin and signed him to a stupid contract. Mike Smith, I think he's still a good goaltender, but having a guy like Matt Murray back there, you know, a guy that's proven he can win the cup, I mean, he's not a showstopper. He's not a game stealer. I, he's not a team that can, not a goaltender that can win with an underperforming team. But he's a guy that if you put a decent group around him, he can perform well. So, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad option, just obviously what the return is going to be. That's be interesting to look at. And speaking of goaltenders, Jacob Markstrom, he is in consistent negotiations almost daily, it seems like, with the Vancouver Canucks because Jim Benning, general manager of the Canucks, has openly come out and said that we want to keep him, paraphrasing, of course, because, well, Markstrom's a pretty good goaltender. Now, as we talked about a little bit on last week's show, last week's show, last week's Monday show, Monday show, Monday show with Alex. The days are blended together here, folks. I'm sorry. It's getting, getting a little hard for the Tyler here. I like to think that Demko is getting to that point where he's ready to become an NHL goaltender, but obviously Benning and the Canucks, well, obviously with Travis Green being the head coach and the rest of the brass have come out and, you know, have really probably thought about it and say, all right, we're going to go with Markstrom. It's not like Markstrom's old by any stretch, but 
Demko seems like he's right on the cusp of something here, and it's going to be interesting who they're going to leave available. Obviously, next year it's going to be a, a tryout year for Markstrom and for Demko because you can sure you could sign Markstrom for another few years because they want him long-term, but if he flounders next season and Thatcher Demko takes over the number one job, guess who's getting left in the expansion draft? Possibly Markstrom. But then again, Markstrom may play well, then it's Demko. Demko goes to the Knights. Knights. See, I'm stuck on one expansion draft. The Kraken, and then Demko becomes the pride of Seattle. He becomes Seattle's best. Seattle's best. It should have been the team name because it's the perfect own sponsor. Seattle's best. The coffee, and the coffee sucks, but Seattle's best. The coffee, sponsorship, bam, you're set for life. But they decided to go with Amazon, and unfortunately you can't call them the Seattle Amazon just because it rains a whole lot over there. Anyway, so it'll be interesting to see how it all works. Some of the biggest news to come out of the last couple of days outside of the playoffs is the fact that the National Hockey League, they're going to start a little bit later than they expected, but they still may try an 82-game schedule. Bill Daly came out and said that the league may be looking to have a start later start date. That apparently, there was discussion of a December start date. I thought they weren't starting until January, but now there's whispers of possibly a January to maybe even a February start date for the 2021 season, and they're still going to try to have an 82-game schedule. I don't know, guys. That seems like a lot. Because think of it this way. You don't want to keep having NHL go into the summertime. It's just, it's not natural. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. This year is different. We've had to deal with a pandemic. So the fact that we have the Stanley Cup finals, at least in view, knock on wood, is a blessing in itself. Now, I don't want to make it a habit, though. I don't want to be having to go on Canada Day to celebrate you know, Canadian holiday, the independence of Canada, by watching two American teams in the Stanley Cup Finals because it would just kind of be a little redundant. So I, I've i said this before. I'd be okay with a shortened season next year. I would be okay with that. I was okay with the 12-13. Lo- I was okay with the lockout in 2012-2013, but I was okay that it was only a 45-game season just so they could jam it in there. If you played a 65-70 game season next year, I'd be okay with it. The schedule be incredibly crunched because I want to get you'd want to get it done by June, July, but because you want to have next the season after the first season for the Seattle Kraken, the 21-22 season, you're going to want that to start on time in October, at least you would think. And it's looking like if the NHL wants to go forward with a full 82 game schedule next year, that this is going to be a multi year process in order to actually make the move back to a typical October to late May, early June timeframe for the regular season and playoffs. We may not have a October start until maybe 2023 until we're looking in view of the next CBA. That's how we could be looking at here if the NHL wants to move forward with this. I personally don't like it. I think they should go short and schedule, and then 2021, Seattle's first year, you're having normal hockey because... I know it's kind of a dumb thing to say, but it'd been easier to say this with the loss or the Vegas Golden Knights. But you're going to want your new fan base to really know when the season starts, not be like, but I thought their season started in December. I thought it started in November. No, it starts in October. Get them started early. It's like a puppy. You got to teach them to go outside right away because if you let them get used to the fact that they can piss in the house, guess what they're going to do all the time from years on end? They're going to piss in the house. I've been learning a lot being a puppy dad here, so I can tell you right now. Teach them young, teach them early. Even though there's plenty of fans in Seattle that actually like hockey. They have Thunderbirds there. They got the Canucks just a little bit north. There's hockey fans there. But I'm saying it's like the casual people. You want them to be, all right, we know exactly when they start. We know they're going to end. And if the schedule does change like it did this year, like, oh, well, this is different. But that's okay. But we know when it's supposed to be. Like I said, I just, I would like to have a normal A2 game schedule sooner rather than later. Now, after all that rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, and text messages galore, apparently, I get a lot of work emails now at the new place I work at, so I have to make sure that nothing catastrophic is happening with my new my new work life outside of the Kuehl show. And let's see, anyone, uh, nothing really going on in the chat right now. I'm pretty quiet here on this Thursday evening. Obviously, everyone probably getting ready for football. I know Sunday I'm going to be eating some fatty, deep-fried Baked garbage food on Sunday for sure. Nacho Supreme, mozzarella sticks, pizza, I don't know, chicken wings. I'm going to get fat on Sunday just because of the fact that 
Well, I, I, I just, I, I, I like, I like foot, I like football. I like eating for football. Maybe that's what I think it is. I, because I'll quickly run through this here. I think we'll go to break before we get to the playoff series here. I always loved, everyone's like, what do you like? Why do I love NFL? I'm not a big fan of, not the biggest fan of football, but every Sunday of my life growing up was one of two things, snacking throughout the day and watching the NFL or NASCAR. That's all we did on Sundays. Wake up, have a big breakfast, and then race comes on or the football game starts and cheese and crackers, chips and salsa, something and dip. That's what we did every Sunday. So that's why this Sunday I'm excited because we're getting back to it. It may not be fans around. It may have to be a little socially distant, but I'm still going to eat crappy food because that's what Sundays are for. Saturdays are for dads. Sundays are for garbage food and being lazy. But I digress. We're going to take a quick break here, folks. But when we come back, we will get into the playoff series. We'll start off by talking about the game two, game two and game one of the Vegas, or not the Vegas, the Tampa New York Islanders series before previewing game three between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. So I'll be back next here on the Kula Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. And welcome back to the Keel Show, everyone, here on this September the 10th of 2020. We're live here once again on 12 Ounce Sports, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Zingo TV, Channel 761. Sign up using the promo code 12Ounce12OZ to sign up for free today so you can watch me on a big screen TV. I know it sounds very selfish, but I'm going with the rhymes here, guys. Let's get into the talk of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the conference finals. We had a couple of games last few days. So let's get caught up with them. First, let's start off with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders. Game one wasn't so great, was it, guys, for all you Highlanders fans out there? And yes, coming from a Leafs fan, I'm not going to harp on the Islanders because why? They're in the conference finals and the Leafs are not. So all of you fans, ah, John Tavares, listen. I never... I, okay, I'm not going to say I'll never harp on a team for playing poorly, especially when I know over the fact that it's the Islanders, and oh, yeah, we don't need John Tavares and Pajama Boy and all that stuff. But I will say this. Did the Islanders think that when they saw 8 o'clock puck drop, they thought 8 o'clock local time in there in Edmonton, not Eastern time like where they were when they were in Toronto? Because they forgot to start. I mean, they, yeah, they got a goal by Jordan Eberle to make it 1-1 at the time, but I just think they forgot what they were doing, where they were at, because the Tampa Bay Lightning decided, all right, we're just going to go in there. We're going to just, just electrify the building. Nobody? Nobody. Nobody is there to hear me say electrify the building, because there's a Tampa Bay... Ow! There's a, ow, there's a desk there. Watch out for the desk and that that's a hardwood table thanks to my father-in-law for this table but man that hurt now anyways long story short 8-2 tampa wins game one absolutely dominates thomas grice gets the start remember we had that problem on monday with alex and alex was proven almost immediately wrong three goals in the first period given up by grice and it just it didn't go well i'm not going to go with the entire list of goal scorers in order but we'll obviously mention that nick letty got the other goal for the islanders but I just I wonder I wonder if Torch played it wrong. Varlamov comes in in period the end of period one, towards the end after Grice gives up third goal of the game on nine shots. That was his line. He gives up five on twenty five. I you know I'm not saying Barry Trot. I mean did I just I wonder if Barry Trotz played that wrong because. You have Thomas Grice, you up three goals on nine shots. So, yes, you want to put in your backup and be like, all right, here we go. Let's maybe get some life in this thing. Well, he just kept getting lit up himself. I wonder if if maybe going back to Grice, I know it's a very rare thing to do, but would have going back to Grice been better? I said that after the game. Or I said that during the game and a little bit after, before game two. We'll get to that here in a second. Here's the stat line. Braden Point, two goals, three assists, five points. Kucherov, one goal, four assists, five points. Kevin Shattenkirk, three assists. Victor Hedman, a goal and two assists for three points as well. But the play we all need to talk about right now before we get to game two from last night. Holy cow, Nikita Kucherov. It's it's a play I make in ball hockey 
at one mile an hour. Kucherov does this in full strike. Kucherov, at his own blue line, breaks up a play, starts to turn up ice because realizing Tampa's going to go back the other way. Kevin Shattenkirk, with a beautiful pass out of his own zone, is going to Kucherov. Kucherov is looking at Devin Taves right in front of him, and to his right, he's got Braden Point. And he's going to think to himself, because any typical NHL will grab the pass, maybe chip it in, grab the pass, and make sure, hopefully, Point stops, stays on side, they can rush in together. Kucherov's like, ah, no. That's just rookie ball stuff. I got this. Turns his stick like a ramp, like the X Games, ramps the puck over Taves' shoulder almost, lands on the stick of Braden Point in stride. Point gives it back to Kucherov, slides to the five-hole of Varlama. Bang, bang, what a beautiful play. That is just sick. And I, and I know I harped on Kucherov early on. Didn't do a whole lot during the round robin. Round one, yeah, okay, started to pick it up. He's turned into the Nikita Kucherov, guys, that was an Art Ross winner, a guy that can be a Hart Trophy winner. This guy has shown why they don't... I know Tampa fans are going to hate to hear me say this. They don't need Steven Samkos with a team like this. Samkos has been out these entire playoffs, and you haven't even realized that he was there in the first place, that he was even an option for this team because they're clicking on all cylinders. However, we go to game two. A little bit different now. Better start for the Islanders, first of all. Obviously, when you don't give up three goals in the first period, it's always a better start. But they look good. They're out shooting Tampa 13-4 in the first 20 minutes, and they get the first goal of the game. Matt Martin with his fifth, his fifth goal of the season. Guys, Matt Martin was a guy two years ago that was being scratched by the Leafs against Boston. Matt Martin, a guy that, yes, we all love because he was the tough guy. He was that guy, the heart and soul guy, Mitch Marner's best friend, always wearing white, plain white T-shirts together. I don't know why that was their thing. But, man, those that guy, he was a good guy. But you know what? We don't need him because, you know, we need more skill. And here he is in the conference finals scoring big goals, five goals now for Matt Martin. I'm telling you, that line, well, whoever they put on that checking line, they're producing. It's not just they're going out and sending a message or being a difference in the game using their physical play or their tenacity in the corners. These guys are actually helping out offensively. And I say it all the time. I say it all on these shows. I say it to friends and colleagues in the industry. These guys are the one guy, are the guys that are going to win team Stanley Cups. However, then Vector Hedman scores later on, and, well, that didn't quite work out so well. Because it was Victor Hedman's seventh goal of the year, or these playoffs. Seventh goal for Victor Hedman at his 777, which means Illuminati is confirmed. You see that? Okay, it's very far because I'm really far away, but that's a triangle. Yeah, you see that? Illuminati confirmed Victor Hedman, seventh goal, ties it up at one. Now, we should mention, of course, the play that also happened later on Alex Kalorn being kicked out for boarding Brock Nelson. Immediately. I said that was a five in a game. The fact that Kalorn even skated to the penalty box, that in itself was just kind of like, what is the point? You're wasting your time. Because it was blatant. That was a check from behind. Now, obviously, I say that within full being fully aware that last year, I would have preferred them to look things over. And the refs looked it over. They talked it over said, all right, is this a bad hit? Yes, it is. Okay, now you can go. Because, say... You know, Kalorn bumped him and they hit a rut in the ice, whatever, similar to what Joe Pavelski did. Yes, it'd be a bad call, and that would have been the end of it. However, I'm glad, you know, they kind of looked it over, but it was pretty apparent. When you watch the replay once or twice, Kalorn definitely shoulder to the numbers of Nelson. Nelson very awkwardly went, goes into the boards, stayed in the game, and took an awkward hit later on. Brock Nelson had a rough game last night. Let's not, let's not fool ourselves here, folks. It was a tough night for Mr. Nelson. But then the NHL came out today saying that Alex Kalorn will be suspended one game for game three between the Tampa Bay Lightning and New York Islanders. That is tomorrow night's game, game three. Okay. I mean, you set the precedent with Ryan Reeves only getting one game for a straight headshot. Boarding from behind, yeah, I, I guess. If they, if they only find him, that would have been a little bit more of an issue I would have had with it. But, you know, I guess as long as, there, as long as there's something with the Department of Player Safety now, I guess, you know, it's not beggars can't be choosers. If you get something, at least you got something. Okay, whatever. I'll go on to more of a schmiel with Department of Player Safety when I have more than an hour. 
But I guess the other big news, at the end of the first period, Braden Point ended up leaving the game. Actually, not at the end of the first period. He ended up leaving the game later. But at the end of the first period, takes an awkward fall in the corner. A lot of the Lightning thought, oh, there's foul play there. Well, no, he just lost edge and went to the boards really awkwardly. There was no diagnosis after the game. However, he is currently doubtful for game three. I, you're not sure if it's because of the fact, I mean, it's not, you don't know if it's a concussion. You don't know if it's something else, but he just looked really, really awkward. He just didn't look like he was, he didn't look like he was there. You, you watch the game and you're just like, you watch him play. I'm like, he, he doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing. It's like muscle memory. He knows where to skate down the ice, but there's no intensity. I'm like, something was not right in the head of brain point. He is currently doubtful. Like I said, for game three tomorrow night, and as I say, that missing a guy like Steven Samkos is not important for Tampa. Now with Kaloran out, Braden Point out, hey, but the game would continue on. And then when it seems like this game's going to go to overtime and Tampa's going to have to go to another three overtime, four overtime game, whatever, this puck just, all right, here's a chance. Oh, what a go. Okay, that's a good save by Varlama. But oh, it's another chance. And oh, Varlama makes a great save. Oh, man. Man, Varlamov's really keeping it the same. Oh my gosh, Kucherov scored! That's literally the exact amount of emotions. I don't know if you guys have been on Twitter and seen the reaction of the, the what was the one Islanders fan? It seemed like he was with his dad. They were watching the game together. And it, you know, you only ever see the videos of the guys who live stream their reactions if they're bad reactions. And this guy and his dad, he just starts screaming like, oh, he, it was the exact same reaction. It was, oh, no. Oh, thank goodness. What a save. Oh, no. Oh, it's another great save. What a nice job. Are you kidding me? Oh, man. Nikita Kucherov being left open back door. Ryan Pollock. you know, if I there was a hole, I would find it because you don't just leave Nikita Kucherov, who's already had a five-point game in the last game, and now is wide open in the back. You can't do that. Ryan McDonough, who a guy that did not play for the first round, had barely played in the round robin, all of a sudden gets the game-winning assist by just taking the puck in the corner and like, all right, there's a few seconds left. Let's just fire this. Hey, he scored. It's just like a, a blind pass, a brutally blind pass, but it works out. Isn't that great when things work out like that? Big win, though, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. 2-1, the final victor. Almost 100 hits. I think there was like 98, 99 hits in that game last night. Very physical game, and we saw it at the end of game one. A lot of chippiness, because obviously when a score gets 8-2, 7-2, when it gets into beer league territory, a lot of sticks, a lot of pushing, a lot of punching. Matt Martin got in a fight with Luke Shen. I almost said Braden Shen, but I realized Braden Shen would never fight. Luke Shen is an idiot, and he'll fight anybody. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just the way these, this series may turn out to be. It's going to start to get a little chippy. And now, with the Tampa Bay Lightning missing two of their best players... They're going to have to try to find a different way to win. Yeah, you have Kucherov, and yeah, you have other guys that can play down the lineup that can step up and score, but, you know, you have Andre Palat still there. Shattenkirk is all of a sudden turned into a, like I said, it looked like he's back when he was, when he was playing with St. Louis. Victor Hedman's cashing in offensively. But up front, they're starting to get a little bit tired, a little bit dwindled, a little bit, you know, injury-ridden are the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're going to have to find a different way to win. You know, physical, you know, physicality against physicality. I don't think Tampa can keep up with the Islanders. But then again, I said that about Boston, and then they just beat the holy heck out of Boston. So I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again. That said, I'm interested to see how game three plays out. Because here you're looking at two teams that are differing styles, different strategies, different coaches, very different coaches between John Cooper and Barry Trotz. I want to see... The, new, the Tampa Bay Lightning have to overcome. Because I think this series right now, at least game three tomorrow night, sits in the Islanders' hands. You have at least Kaloran out for one game. Braden Point right now still indefinite on how long he may be out. Steven Samkos, he done. Cup finals, listen, I don't even care if he's healthy for the cup finals. At that point, it'd be too late to even insert him into the lineup. I'm sorry. That's just my take. I know Tampa Bay fans want him in the lineup. They want him there because he's been there for so long now. At this point, the camaraderie of the team, you don't want to interrupt that, even though Sam Coast is a great player. But game three tomorrow night, New York has got to play their best game ever. Even though they probably played one of their best games last night, they outshot 
the Lightning. I believe the margin was 28-21. they outshot them last night. They played a great game. They got their chances. Vasilevsky just came up big. Varlamov did everything he could to hold the Islanders in the game. I mean, that was a perfect game except for a brain lapse at the end of the third period. Had Ryan Pollock knew that Nikita Kucherov was there, had they had the Islanders not given up two glorious chances before that, so the Tampa Bay Lightning could keep on the pressure, it may have gone to overtime, and who knows? We may be talking about a 1-1 series. But now we go to game three, and the Islanders now find themselves on the ropes. I'm sorry. If they don't win tomorrow night, I don't care. They're going to lose the series. They may win game four to stay alive, but game five is going to go to the Bolts. Game six may go to the Bolts. I don't see see this series going seven. So they're going to have to come out a lot more physical. They're going to have to try to take it to the lightning physically. Now, don't just run around with your chicken like your head cut off and try to kill people, but play smart, but beat them. Every time you chip the puck in the corner, make sure you're laying a body on the defense. Every time a guy tries to come through the neutral zone, make sure you get in front of him some way and give him a bump. Don't just stand there flat footed. You're going to have to try to beat the lightning. You have to beat the bolts. Physically, if you're going to want to win tomorrow night and this series in general. If the Islanders want any chance to go to the Stanley Cup Final for the first time since 1984. Yes, I got that right. I almost said 1985. Nope, 1984. They want to do it. They're going to have to be physical and have to beat the Lightning at their own game. Because right now, the Islander, if the Lightning's offense can stay at least consistent enough, the Islanders may be done. As successful this season might be, it's going to end a little bit on a whimper if they can't turn things around. Now, the other series to talk about. Only one game from this series to recap, and then we'll preview tonight's game three. Vegas and Dallas. Dallas, after winning one to stinking nothing. Everyone looks at all this game's boring. Listen, Marc-Andre Fleury has something else to say about that. That was not a boring game. He did everything he could to keep that game in. Anton Udobin at third period is like, this game is what? So, game two comes around. And now, a little bit more of a rested, a little bit more of a relaxed Vegas Golden Knights team. They get ready to go. It's a good first period. Both teams getting chances. Robin Leonard, of course, starting for the Vegas Golden Knights, as was expected. Both teams got their chances, and we go to the second period, 0-0. Okay, well, let's just see how this thing goes. The Knights finally score a few minutes in on Anton Hudobin, ending his shutout streak, which with Anton Hudobin, I don't think I would ever have said. Paul Stasny getting left open in front. And I, it, Stasny's a great player, but the Dallas Stars had an awful change. They had a horrible back check. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember the play now. It was a couple nights ago at this point. For some reason, they thought they were coming out of the zone, and there was just no coverage down low. And you can't have it where this very talented offensive team that the Vegas Golden Knights have – you can't have two guys wide open in front. Anton Udoba had nothing. He was hung out to dry, man. I tell you, if he were in a New York alley, he'd be going across a clothesline back and forth as Mrs. Johnson over here and Mrs. Kaplatsky over here are trading their laundry clothespins with each other. That's how bad Anton Udoba was on that goal. But then I, I, I will say, though, the next one is one you want to point the finger on Anton Udoba. William Carlson on the power play, albeit, gets the puck at the top of the circle and shoots one towards the goal, and all of a sudden, Anton Udobin's legs becomes the big, fat old St. Louis arch and just opens up for everyone to go through. It Listen, that's that's one Anton Udobin's got to have. Right through the five-hole, it's a poor save selection. And World Hockey Report, Cody Jansen tweeted out how that a butterfly would have been nice there. Goaltenders, goaltender take here? Yes, absolutely. But because here's what here's what I can see why Anton Udobin went for the what I'm going to call the the half butterfly, if you will. You see William Carlson step in at the top of the circle, left-handed shot. A lot of those guys will try to rip it high, rip it glove, rip it far side. Maybe it gets a tip, maybe it goes wide, top corner. That's where Carlson's looking. You see it all the time in practice and morning skates and even in warm-ups. Guys will sit there and just rip shots for the corners so they know they can hit that shot even from that far out. Yet, Carlson, I don't know if he double-clutched it or not, or realized, hey, you know what, let's just get this puck to the net. I can't go high because my teammate's there or there's no opening there. Double-clutches, pump fakes it, and fires it right down the middle. And Hidobin is like, he's going, oh, no, right through the legs. That's how that one went in. And, you know, I can see why Hidobin made that save selection, but it ended up being a poor one. It looks bad because any goal that goes through a goaltender's five-hole 
means he didn't go down quick enough and he didn't seal tight enough. And it just doesn't look good, especially that one where it was like a gaping hole in his five hole. Wasn't on along the ice. It was probably a good six, seven, eight inches off the ice. It's one that a goaltender should have, you would think. But he goes in on Hudobin. It's 2 nothing. And then later on in the period, a little bit of a fast break, and Chandler Stevenson feeds it over for Thomas Nosek, and Nosek bangs it in. It's 3 nothing Vegas. Where was this in game one? Well, they were a little bit tired. Or they just weren't ready to go. Well, Pete DeBoer fired the guys up and said, you're going to play better tonight in the third period. Third period. Second period. Three goals. That's how I got the three in there. By Vegas. And it's 3 nothing. They were able to coast the rest of the way. And despite Dallas getting a lot of good chances in that third period of times, Vegas was just too strong. 19 shots on goal in that second period. Jake Ottinger gets the call in game or in period three. But, I mean, that was more or less, hey, let's just get Hudobin out of there. Let's rest up. Let's focus on game three. What I think, by the way, 24 save shout out for Robin Leonard. And let me quick try to run to his stat line here. See if I can find how long his shutout streak has gone on. Obviously, the last two games for sure. He has not been scored since, obviously, game six against the Vancouver Canucks, which he gave up three. I'm trying to figure out when he gave up the goal. Let's see if I can go a little bit deeper here. Let's see if I can quickly do this here for you folks here on the QL show here in this quick shift edition. Let's go to the scores. Quickly running back here. Going to game six. 4 nothing win for the Canucks because they did get an empty netter. Did the Canucks. They, their last goal, upset right there. Dang it, where'd it go? Here it is. They last goal was scored by Bo Horvat at the 15-22 mark. That was an empty netter. Jack Hughes goal, right? Yes, I think. Thoroughly confused. Yes, Quinn Hughes at the 8-16 mark. So if I do my quick math here, that means 120 plus 12.44 is 132 minutes, 130, no, 131 minutes and 42 seconds, right? 44 seconds, 44 seconds, something like that. It's been a while since he's been scored on. Can the Stars do it tonight? Well, they better hope so, because if not, it'll be a 2-1 series lead. And I, I think what we saw on Tuesday night, guys, was how good Vegas is. We didn't see a whole lot of it on Sunday because, like I said, they played three games or was it four games in six nights. They were exhausted. That's why they went with Flurry in that game, so Robin Leonard could have a night off. Leonard played well. 24 safe shot for Robin Leonard. I, you know, I, I'm intrigued to see how Dallas comes out tonight. More shots? Obviously more shots. More shots is always the answer. Can they get through, though? Can they actually get the puck from the Vegas Golden Knights and able to turn it into offense? I'm not sure. Because you watch this Vegas Golden Knights team. They're incredibly fast. They're incredibly thorough. Pete DeBoer, despite apparently stabbing Marc-Andre Fleury in the back, knows what he's doing. He's brought two teams to the Stanley Cup Finals, looking to make it three. He knows how to win in the playoffs. Does he know how to do it consistently? No, because look how it ended in New Jersey. Look how it ended in San Jose. This is Pete DeBoer's one year that he's going to take a team to the Stanley Cup Finals. And I still think they're going to do it. If, but if Dallas wants to have a shot the rest of the way, because I really think Dallas can make this a series, despite my prediction, despite what you see on the ice in Game 2, I believe now Dallas saw how good Vegas can be. And that's probably for the better. Because game one, they didn't. They got out of there with a win somehow, some way. Thankfully for them, Vegas didn't find their legs until the third period. And by that point, Antonio Dobin was locked in, making big saves to get the win. Game two, little different. Vegas was humming. They were getting chances, getting lots of shots, all sorts of havoc around the Dallas zone. And despite Miro Heiskin being a guy we consider as an X-factor, these entire playoffs, all of a sudden is shell-shocked the way the Vegas Gold Knights have attacked him and the rest of the decor for Dallas. I want to see a better effort from Dallas, and now they know. they can. Rick Bonus can step in the locker room and say, all right, guys, 
those are the real Vegas Golden Knights we saw on Tuesday night. Let's try to combat that. Because now you're going to see, like we talk about with Tampa versus the Islanders, Barry Trotz's defense versus John Cooper's offense. Now you're going to see Pete DeBoer's offense with a pretty still solid defense and great goaltender against Dallas, who Amir Heiskanen's their guy offensively, but they're going to have to bunker down in their own D zone and try to take advantage when they get chances. They're going to have to do the rope-a-dope. Vancouver sitting there like calling from the all the way back from the island saying, all right, guys, just give them 60 shots and we have a chance. I mean, shoot, Thatcher Demko sitting there in the corner like PTSD. It's like, I just, <laughs> you look like Denny Lemieux over there in the corner saying, it works. I swear it works. Shot save. Oh, gosh, another rebound. That's what I don't know why Thatcher Demko would sound like that. I'm just I'm trying to make a joke here because I can't do the full Daniel Lemieux throwing gear around because these are headsets and a little expensive. That's an expensive mixer and an expensive laptop. I don't want to break anything, so I can't go full scale. I I mean, as I'm sure as much as some of you folks at home want to see that happen, I'm just gonna I'm gonna let that one slide here for a minute. But regardless. I, you know, I think, I mean, Vegas is going to win the series. How this game is going to go tonight, I'm not 100% sure. Look at how Vegas played in game two. If they let off the gas, then yes, Dallas can push it back the other way and have a chance to take game three tonight. But if Vegas doesn't let up, because I'm going to be 100% honest, despite getting 120 some odd shots on Thatcher Demko in three games, Vegas in game five and six were didn't get the best chances. I know I talked about with Alex and how Demko played. Game five, yes, that was a cakewalk for Demko, despite making well over 40 saves. Game six, a little bit tougher, but still, Vegas wasn't really pushing. the. They weren't really pushing. They weren't really playing with intensity or desperation. Game seven was just full tilt Golden Knights. Charge! Just full scale. Game like year one Vegas Golden Knights desperation. That's what we saw in game seven against Vancouver. If Vegas doesn't do that consistently against Dallas, this series could go a while. This series could take a little bit to finish up. When I talk about the show with Alex on Monday, when I talk about the series with Alex on Monday during Monday's show, if Dallas can slow down just a little bit of the Vegas offense and it kind of gets in their head, we may be talking about this series as, well, this series could go seven. But it all is determined by tonight's game. If Dallas wins tonight, it's going to go seven. If Vegas wins tonight, that may be it. I mean, we, I mean, Alex and Peyton both said on Monday, the series will go five games because Vegas will win the next four. Well, they're one-fourth the way right after the win on Tuesday. If they do it again, well, we could be wrong here. If they, if they win tonight, yeah, it's, I would concur with their statement. I said six just because I think Dallas can get a win here and there. So maybe, hey, if they lose tonight, they'll win on Saturday, and there you go. It's a six-game series, so I'm right. But I don't know if there's enough in the tank for these Dallas Stars. I'm not saying they're running on borrowed time, but look on how they've had to get here. And I, I wanted to mention this more in our Monday Conference Finals preview. I didn't think that either team has looked all that impressive consistently throughout these playoffs. Vegas had to go to six games to beat the 12th best team in the Western Conference. They had to go to seven games against a first-year playoff team. They should have easily walked through those series. They come into this series against Dallas, and looking at their opponents, Dallas, okay, yeah, they, they, they won their, okay, they won, they won a couple of rounds. Yeah, sure, they went through the round robin, but they... Beat Calgary, I mean, even though they should, Calgary should have beaten them. I think that was an upset by Dallas, personally, ask me. And then in the last series, you know, they didn't, for some reason, I don't think they, they didn't look all that impressive to me at times either. I want to say that, you know, I mean, I thought Colorado should have won that series, but Dallas able to pull it out. I don't know if Dallas has enough in the tank to pull out another series when they're not supposed to win. That's the reason why Dallas is going to lose this series. 
They've been playing on borrowed time. They squeaked it out against Calgary, despite winning yes in six games. Colorado, sh- Colorado should never have had to be in the problem of being down 2-0 to Dallas anyways. They just forgot what they were doing in half of those, game- those first two games. But if Dallas can just pull out this little bit of magic, it'd be amazing. But here's the thing. Hugh Dobin has to play amazing for at least three more games without playing poorly in three others. You're going to have to have Tyler Sagan finally come out out of his shell and step up. Alex Radulov is a loose cannon, and he gets into penalty trouble all the time. He's going to have to stay out of the box. Jamie Benn? Well, I mean, yeah, sure, he's probably one of your best scorers, but he hasn't been consistent. And Miro Heiskanen is all of a sudden shell-shocked. You have all those factors go into each other. And the Vegas Golden Knights, despite being a third-year team, have so much veteran talent, they're just going to eat that alive. Great goaltending in both Leonard and Fleury. Mark Stone playing well. Shea Theodore from the back end. This team is loaded with talent up and down their lineup and experienced talent. They may be right now the Stanley Cup favorite, out of the West at least, out of this series. Now, Tampa on the other side, I don't know yet. We have to see how that series shapes up. But that is it for this week's episode of the QL Show. Quick shift edition here on 12 Ounce Sports. Thank you all for tuning in. If you weren't able to catch this entire episode, that's okay. You make sure you just come on back on Monday or just watch the replay tomorrow, whether you're going to watch the replay on YouTube, catch the audio replay on your favorite podcatcher, or even on Instagram TV. I can assure you that you will enjoy it. Make sure, of course, also that you check out our merch page. Look at all this cool stuff we got here. Shirts, 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 and more shirts. If I mean, that's all we got right now. But if you want specific stuff, give us a shout out. Tweet us at The Cool Show. Make sure you jump on there, teespring.com slash store slash The Cool Show. Make sure you throw those dashes in there or else you'll go to a different site. We don't want you to go there. We want you to go to this page right here. Guys, look at this cool shirt that I got. Look at this cool shirt. Look at it. It's a cool t- it's a cool sh- it's a cool shirt. I know, right? It's cool. Thank you very much. I'll see myself out the door. Thank you very much once again, folks. Be sure to tune in on Monday when Alex and I break down the previous couple of days action before we hit the Stanley Cup finals. When will we get there? I don't know. We know when the cup should be awarded because we know when the draft's going to be early in October. We know if free agency is going to start. We have a tentative idea of when the NHL is going to start next season, but we're right here right now. Who do you think is going to move on? Who's going to win tonight? Let us know. Make sure you tweet us. Use the hashtag TKS when you talk about the show. Make sure you tweet us at the Kula Show. Let us know what you think is going to happen because I'm curious. I don't even know what's going to happen. I just talk, ramble on for nonsensical reasons, and I just have some fun doing it. And I hope you had fun watching it as well. We will see you all on Monday. Thank you for watching this episode of the Kula Show Quick Shift Edition here on 12 Ounce Sports. Goodbye.